Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Misfit Podcast. We're going to talk Whoa. about Cycle 2. Dose. Already. Cycle 1's gone. We're deep into the season. It happened like in a blink of an eye. Poof. Gone. Before I give you all the uh, very important secret announcements and tips and details and everything you need to know, Drew's going to tell you something else. Sharpentheaxcode.com is the hub for all the coolest shit that you can buy, including the events tab where you can get tickets to Misfit Training Camp, the final Misfit Training Camp of 2018. Oh my God. CrossFit 817, November 16th through the 18th, Fort Worth, Texas. There's going to be a big group of stars and games athletes and all that stuff, but we don't want to announce names and then have it not be true. <laughs> That's so fair. we're going to have that information for you guys very soon, and you will be happy with, with what we put up. We'll throw that up on Instagram. We've got a lot of new stuff in the store itself. Hunter's rocking the, uh, the sharp right now. He's not feeling as good about his midsection, so it's the full length, but we do have the crop. Listen, guys. He's a little soft. This is a large for the record. So yeah, it's about three sizes too big. Listen, <laughs> it's baggy. You're hiding your gut. That's yeah. Drew's point. <laughs> it's got a belt on underneath that hoodie. Yeah. So we have those. <laughs> we have the block party long sleeves. We have the rest day shorts, which are now in black. In my opinion, the most comfortable shorts in the entire world. What? New socks. What? New socks. Oh, oh, stop. I want to talk about these socks for a talk second. Talk about them. The purple ones? No. Oh. The, the black ones. That yeah. are, are they coming out now? They're out. They're, They're out, out bro. Okay. They're out. So, Get them. I'm super picky about socks, extremely picky about socks. To the point that I sometimes don't even wear some of the socks we get because they're not the right material. I have a very <laughs> specific material I like in socks and a very specific cut. Finally, we have the perfect sock that we've ever made. It's similar to the dry fit sock that a lot of people tend to wear. That company that makes that black dry fit sock that everyone loves. Rhymes Their logo is Rhymes super with, recognizable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rhymes with Schmikey. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> they're very similar Vems. to that. And in fact, they're actually more comfortable the first time you put them on than the other one. So I stole like dozens of these socks before they went on sale to make sure that I have a pair for every day. So if you miss out on these, you're just an idiot. You're a I'll joker. Leave it, I'll leave it at and that. And for any apparel they're nerds out there, amazing. essentially we had our logo woven into a true woven sock. The typical sock nowadays is... It's a white sock that gets printed on. Right. And that's what makes it maybe look really cool, but could also change the feel of it a little bit. So the new Misfit socks that were released last time, the purple ones, and yep. the black axe socks are, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. You're flexible, mister. <laughs> yeah. The You're purple li- ones are take good. Note, the sure. black socks are legit. I'm going to wear black those. socks like, are legit. Every day. You heard it here first. Also a little bit lower cut, so yes. you don't have to like a roll them down Just a little, which is perfect. Yeah. Right. You can so. wear them with pants and shorts very comfortably. It's literally the perfect sock. I couldn't believe it when I put them on because I'm such a naysayer about socks. And I put them on, I was like, <gasps> yeah. oh, fuck. It's all about the material. That's so, what it's all about. Got so you got those. the testimonial, sharpentheaxco.com, gear, camp tickets. What else do you need? Really? That's it. What I think they need? need cycle two. Oh, that, oh that's right. Yeah. Doing this. Yeah. That, you know, I forgot. Sorry. Let's do We're that. good. Let's do it. All right. So cycle two, if this is like your third, fourth, or fifth year following Misfit, um, you're very aware of what cycle two is. Quick overview, basically we spent cycle one trying to build some maximal strength and dealing with some raw conditioning um, and 
really doing gymnastics skill work, some strength work and some skill work with gymnastics. In cycle two, we start to kind of blend things together. So we focus a little more on the actual Olympic lifts, less on the skill of it and more on actually Olympic lifting, which means we take that kind of raw strength and we start to add some speed to it, which is very important this time of year. The conditioning starts to be uh, intertwined with other movements. So instead of just focusing on bitch work, monostructural, we're going to start throwing in gymnastics. We're going to start giving you interval pieces. We're going to start uh, kind of putting together your game into something that would be tested in a functional fitness competition. We can basically say CrossFit now because CrossFit is encompassing every competition ever. It seems like these it, yeah. days. They're taking them all over. So in CrossFit. Um, so we'll go through each uh, column and we'll talk about the things that uh, you should be aware of and then we'll talk about kind of how people have attacked them in the past and how we expect people to attack them and uh we're going to start with strength and i'm going to kind of i mean drew's very familiar with the uh squat cycle he wrote it so uh you want to talk about the back squat yeah this this was the back squat cycle that took us the longest to get dialed in i think this might be year three this is either year two or Sounds three, right. three of this one and it, it took us a while to dial it in because the athletes that follow are not Olympic weightlifters or powerlifters. So that exact same one-to-one relationship of both volume and what reps work and what percentages work had to be kind of figured out. And I think that the jump from trying to do that sort of West side style to going back to the triples, but having that one rep before you get started with your triples, um, that's supposed to be a little bit more of like an overload, set that gets you really kind of ready for the, for the 80% that goes all the way up to 90% through the cycle. Um, that's what made the biggest change. And for all the people out there that really like that cycle one, um, squat cycle that we just finished this next one, I have found with my remote clients, they, it has a, there's a bigger adaptation with this one. It's almost like cycle one squat cycle gets you ready to do cycle two squat cycle. And then that's where you're really going to make your money in terms of, you know, trying to get that traditional like one rep max. I think cycle one's a really good foundation with the the amount of volume you force them through. And the percentages are, I used to think they were aggressive in years <clears throat> past, but now we kind of see that they're actually very fair for most people. If you follow it. If you follow it correctly. Yeah. If you stick to the actual progression of it, it it's not a weight overload. It's a volume like it's right. a lot of volume. And in this one, we actually progressed the percentages pretty aggressively, but you only have to do that one day a week and the other days speed work. So you get to focus on the technique, the speed, things like that again. So I think because the volumes back down, people actually recover a lot better in cycle two than one. And it kind of one primed them to be really successful in two. Absolutely. And that seems to be, I think a lot of people also took to heart the, the idea, like when you're going for your one rep max test week in test week, like, hit use use the number that you moved pretty well not the number that you grinded through for this ugly horrendous looking one rep max and then right. base your percentages off of that because that's you know you're setting yourself up for failure in in weeks three and four so using like a good quality test week max right to, to base your percentages off of has been I and think that actually reminds me i want to be very clear all percentages all of the time unless so otherwise down. noted oh yeah are off of a one rep max so we test our three rep max because this is crossfit and we are trying to go up as the season as we get closer to the open we test a three rep max and we retest a three rep max because that's what we care about the percentages within the cycle are for your one rep max yep. 
And just 80% to be clear, of your one rep max. That's that goes for any lift we ever program. If we write at a percentage, it's based on the one rep max of that specific lift. So if we even say like percentage of hang snatch, it's the one rep max hang snatch. Right. We will specifically write percentage of five rep max hang snatch if right. it's otherwise or whatever. And that it's, really only happens typically in cycle rare. three. Correct. We do the 90% of the five rep max because if you went to do five by five at 90, yeah. well, <laughs> good, good luck. Yeah. So we specify that. Correct. Exactly. Per- percentages are always at one rep max unless explicitly explained otherwise. And then one other caveat on that, when we're doing the heavy back squat day, you're working up to a heavy single and then backing down to triples at 80%. And that, again, that is based off of your one rep max, not yes. the heavy lift that you just found. Correct. 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 Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then on top of that, we're going to switch from the more traditional deadlift back to the sumo deadlift first cycle, uh, three sixes and nines, just to get some pulling in there, uh, just to complement uh, some of the other things we're doing. We do have a little bit of a strongman focus in this cycle. I wouldn't say a focus. It's just like a little bit of strongman work thrown in there just to mix it up. Um, and really, I have this like obsession currently with people moving heavy sandbags i just keep seeing them come up in competitions especially the ones that we expect to see crossfit kind of lean on with all the sanctioned events it's much easier for these events to get things like d-balls and sandbags yeah you need then one it, then versus all these plates and then all these barbells exactly and and all these judges changing weights like you have standardized weights already set out for correct. you correct so i i fully anticipate that we're going to see a lot more sandbag d-ball odd object things like <clears> that because it's easier to make events out of and they're frankly just terrible to deal with so they really do sort you out pretty it's quick true function so, I, so there's it two is. things you can really see there you can see that the athlete has you know some athleticism which some CrossFit athletes have been accused in the past of not having great athleticism. Right. And this is, forces you to kind of adapt on the fly. And two, you can see it kind of in the last few years of the CrossFit Games. Athletes who you thought were front runners for the podium really struggle with strongman type movements and have kicked them out of whatever position they thought they were going to qualify in or get to. So, you know, to be truly prepared for this, you have to be having this type of training in your thing. And I think for a long time, strongman stuff got neglected because, you know, we did a lot of front squats, overhead squats, back squats, right. but you didn't see this type of stuff. So you can get so skilled with a barbell that you can defeat the weight by being skilled. Mm, true. You can get skilled with a sandbag or a yoke or, or a farmer's handles, but you cannot defeat them with skill. You must move them with athleticism well, think, and power. I think the same way you said you can get skilled with a barbell, like, that adaptation occurred because CrossFit for, forced you to use the barbell for so long for so many things that you're like, I have to move well or I'm going to move less weight than anybody else. Right. The same adaptation can occur with the sandbag or with the yoke or something like that. You just haven't put the time in yet. So here's an opportunity to get some of that work done so that now it becomes more about skill work versus just I haven't seen this or I haven't experienced this yet. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll see we'll see strength pieces, like specific strength pieces where you're moving sandbags, yokes, farmers handles, things like that. Um, and you'll find a lot of just really terrible sandbag pieces in the accessories and conditioning. They're just sprinkled in all through the cycle. Everything from 70 pound sandbags all the way to 200 pound sandbags, depending if you're a guy or a lady or doing hatchet or doing whatever. I saw Hunter order his 70 pound sandbag yesterday. So oh, really? Good. Yeah. Okay. 
It'll fit in that. I mean, it'll fit in that large sweatshirt. I don't know. I don't know if you're like insulting him, but I was just like, I oh, was. I was like, low key roasting oh, him, but it's even matter. Like, oh, that's awesome! Well, that I'll have a sandbag yeah. I can pick on now. That's gonna be great. You can make a seventy pound sandbag hurt pretty good. Yeah, so. no kidding. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You could do try fifty to do a squats with that. Hey, hey. Yeah. like squat two and down to the sandbag. That's like a medicine ball. Okay, I can do that. So, you'll, so anyway, uh, you? there'll be a there'll be a strongman bias specifically with sandbags and a lot of farmers carries as well. Um, Olympic lifting, uh, like I mentioned, we're going to start going from the floor. Uh, we will have um, quite a bit of warm up built into the Olympic lifting on top of the standard warm up we give you guys. Uh, we do want you to be really warm and moving through good range of motion before you take on these percentages. The singles get heavy. We don't like people. Failing and failing and failing and failing, and people like to jump up way too fast to their 85, 90 Say, plus. I'm a big fan of this too because one thing we do at training camp is talk about how important it is to warm up for something like this. If you have an Olympic lifting piece, a lot of people are like, I'm going to do 135, then 225, and then I'm going to start my percentage work and don't really spend the time. And I'm right. actually like a big fan of how this forces you because it's just written down. Like instead of you thinking about doing it, it's right. now on paper and it's on paper. I got to do it. It's so, a rule. Exactly. It becomes a rule. Exactly. And I think yeah. that forces more people to spend the adequate amount of time to get ready. Yep. And it's not a lot. It's like eight warm up reps, essentially. But if you don't take them serious and move through the range of motion, then it'll affect everything else. Um, so, yeah, you'll be doing a lot of that. There'll be optional, like overloads of uh, clean pulls, snatch pulls, clean deadlift, snatch deadlift, things like that. If you really uh, need that extra volume, I'm um, going to kind of talk about the wads and intervals quickly. The wads and intervals are very similar in the sense that they're obviously CrossFit based, like. I mean, what's new with us? You know what I mean? Uh, the intervals are, they have two specific rules that the, the wads do not. The intervals have two styles of cycle. One will be rounds with rest. So just like a traditional Metcon, you have rounds, three, four, five, six rounds. And after each round is completed, you'll have X amount of rest based on the intensity, the skill, the recovery focus. needed to do. Yeah, yeah, the focus of the piece. Exactly. The other style of interval, which I really like for this time of year, um, is that you'll finish a uh, like a short AM rep with max reps of something that can be a max distance handstand walk that could be max distance uh, on a biker that could be max handstand pushups it could be max rope climbs you name it you're going to finish an, an AM rep round with as many of, as you can in that particular movement it's kind of built in the same vein as I think it was cycle four last year where we ended on a monostructural piece for max distance whether that was ski bike or rope and but now we're just no doing rest it for built in so yeah, that, exactly that, yes so, this one has well, rest we've been doing this this format for a, for while. a long time and I yep. think that cycle four last year was stemmed off of this. Yes. So, and I, than, so, so yeah. we, we want to give you rest now so that you can, yeah. if you're, if you're going out too hot and you blow up, you learn. If you're coming out too easy and you have more in the tank each round, you learn. If you need to be more proficient in a particular movement because, you know, things are going downhill quick, you learn. Later in cycle four, when we want to allow you to move and recover at the same time before starting over, I don't think we're quite there yet. We're still in like the rebuilding phase. So I want to put rest in whenever possible to give somebody the greatest opportunity to try again now, and try again. Yeah. With these type of uh, intervals, are they going to be all three different style ending with, meaning ending with either monostructural gymnastics or barbell? There's not a lot of barbell, but is there a lot? there's a lot of monostructural and a lot of gymnastics ending. There's not a the, ton of barbell. The thing with this is gathering information, not just going into it and seeing how many reps you can get and like having that amnesia and kind of moving on. Like, you think about a workout where you've got like row, deadlift, and rope climbs. 
obviously you're frying the shit out of your grip going into rope climbs, but knowing the person, you might be more along the lines of people will typically be better at the first two or the last one. So you find out that information of, yeah, I love rope climbs, but I don't really like rowing all that much. So how can I row in this right. and still cruise through this or the other way around? Like, what is, what is my time frame looking like? Do I have to dial back on that first piece so that I can move through these rope climbs and actually be okay here? Because if I just crush myself because I'm good at those, but then I can't do any rope climbs, what does that do for me? There's so much information built into these and you can literally adjust round to round with the rest that's built totally. in. You can learn about all these strategies and you can understand why you might be really fit and bomb a qualifier or an open workout or whatever by actually gathering information about yourself and adjusting your strategy. Yeah. And in, in those formats where you're doing an AMRAP ending with like, say handstand pushups for, for, for example, consider like, um, the past couple, the past year's open workout where it had like 55 handstand pushups in there. Like you're saying, how valuable would it be to know where your true point of failure is? Like, and that's, if, if it's an AMRAP that ends with handstand pushups, that might be one of those situations where it's acceptable to do a big set to failure and learn, like learn that information Absolutely. because you have that rest coming up and later on we'll, we'll ask that you are able to recover from that, but in like a monostructural format, but learning that failure point, learning where you can truly push yourself is, is just super is super valuable. And using that same example with handstand pushups, if you had a three round piece, you could say the first round, I'm going to go to failure and see what it looks like after that. The second round, I'm going to do fives and see how long I can hold fives. And the third round might be, I mean, you make it up, whatever like strategy you want to play. And there should be enough, a lot of times enough rest built in there and enough time on the first parts of that AMRAP to be able to get back and feel really similar to how you felt before, or even more prepared. You might feel more warmed up, more ready. Um, so I think there's a lot, yeah, if you if you think about this stuff and you plan it to to kind of learn, like you said, the most you can about yourself and how things affect each other, like you can you could make one workout, three completely different pieces of the way you attack it yep. and see what works best. I think a lot to the center of that is just, you actually said it before I was going to say it, was that you have the opportunity here to take or look more into your training versus just be like, this is what they say and I'm going to do X. Like you have the opportunity to sit down and go, this is this is my opportunity to figure out what is best, best for me. Right. And I think a lot of athletes just kind of go blindly through that. And, they're, that, and they concern so much about their score. Lot, they don't, dude. they don't care about, are they learning something? Like Absolutely. One, one thing as a remote coach, that I really try to stress is like, I don't, I mean, I want you to perform at your best, but I also want you to be willing every once in a crash and burn to play it safe. Like those are things you have to do in your training to really grow as an athlete. And often as a coach, I'm going to be like, go to the one that you don't like, do the one you don't yeah. like skip the one you like. If you like fives, go for a max set. You like max sets, small sets. Like you just got to change it up on them. And that's why our open strategy videos aren't what people want them to be. That board up here, you do three, 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 rest one second. You do two, 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 you rest seven seconds. There's nuance from athlete to athlete. And even though we might get more views on our YouTube channel, we're not going to do that. We're going to ask you in cycles one, two, three, and four, and the whole year to figure out what you're good at. Like there are so many people, you know, if I did what you do with like threes to fives, I'd be screwed. Like I need to have like a little bit of a bigger chunk and then small, even smaller pieces. So when you think about the way that everybody is so much different, it's impossible to give one strategy. Exactly. Yeah, of course. 
you learn what works best for you. And again, this every single piece, I mean, between each open, there's probably 300 blog posts or 300 opportunities to figure out what's best for you. And if you don't use that information daily, like kind of like shame on you for things when trying to warn you about this, but it's super important because it allows you to then grow as an athlete. You get to figure out if fives were good last cycle for handstand pushups. What happens if I try eights? The only way you're going to find out is if you try. It's kind of amazing to me how many people, it's, uh, this is a, a going tangent. off on a tangent, <laughs> but like it's amazing to me how many people put in an insane amount of work on the blog, but don't take 10 minutes to look at how things went after, look at their notes, debrief themselves after like a training day and be like, oh, wow, that's eye-opening or okay, I learned something there. Like they just write their scores down, close their book and like make their protein shake and they're off in their day. Like you would gain so much more from taking an extra 15 minutes. You could skip a whole piece and take 15 minutes and look at the three pieces you did and get more out of how you're going to approach your training each and every day than just trying to jam volume in and then just go along with your day. You'd, doesn't be, make any so you'd be foolish to believe that the high-end athletes don't actually do that and reflect on some point. They're like, always, talk- always arguing over the dumbest, like, oh yeah, well you did four reps here and it took you yeah. six seconds. <laughs> right. like, I was going to say. How the hell do you people know that? <laughs> yes. Like They take it to a point and it's not a coincidence that they're all games athletes. I say uh, Travis is a perfect example of that. He knows exactly what the wattage is going to be based on. So it could be different Kenzie. between 20 yeah. calories and 17 calories. And he knows that well, 17 the calories. Is Kenzie gonna... holds what she's supposed to and Travis goes 7,000 watts to 200. <laughs> Either way, they, they know all that information going into it because they've had enough experience and not only did they experience it, but now they have internalized it and memorized it. Whether that's writing it down or making a note upstairs, like either way, you have to have that information or when you have that information available to you, use it going yeah. forward yeah if you if you're doing a qualifier workout or the open workout and you're thinking about how like am i going to do three like sets of three with two and a half seconds of rest between this or you're asking somebody because you don't know like you did not take your training you didn't do your homework you, you didn't you didn't do it right like yeah. you need to know like know those things you shouldn't be asking your coach like do i need to change my shoes for this second piece like do i need to wear a belt for these handstand push-ups like I don't know. Yes, like the answer is yes. Nanos or Metcons, like, bro. Yeah. How, how are you supposed to know? Axes like, inside or axes outside. Whatever, whatever you were going to do in training, do that. Like right. Whatever you've been doing for the past year, do that. Now you're getting to the whole mental side of yeah, these yeah. people. Whoa, and, whoa so that's open a, up that can. Yeah, it's too early. It, it, you don't have, we don't have that much tape left. It's too early in the day. All right, Seth, what's next? Optional uh, pieces? Bitch work? Let's go to bitch work. We kind of talked about pacing and learning that a little bit. I'm going to force you guys at least one day a week to kind of realize some pace work. So um, there's a piece on every day too called The Perfect Pace. And what we're going to do is have you guys hold uh, certain RPMs, certain uh, 500 meter split times, certain run times, and they're going to be based off of PRs. So to give you an example of the simplest one, a 400 meter run time seven with only two minutes rest, which is a lot and a little at the same time. It's a very tricky amount of rest. And I'm going to ask people to hold their one mile PR pace for each 400. So if you run a six minute mile at your PR, I want you to run seven 90 second 400s with two minutes rest. And that is no easy feat. That's, very, that's the, the problem with CrossFitters is it's easy for three, four rounds. Yes. Yeah, and then like, oh, and, this and, first and, round was super easy. And you, you're in deep shit seconds. if you run a 119 to start. Correct. So we're, we're taking that option out of there for people. You have to start at the same number you're going to finish at. And we want to see if you can be, one, disciplined enough to handle this sort of task. And two, are you able to recover in a 
somewhat shorter window, then you might want to be able to do it again and again. And the amount of volume we're giving you versus the amount of volume we'd be measuring based off your pace on something larger is very reasonable. So it it's not a question that most of you can do it. It's a question of most of you I mean, will do it. This is an immensely valuable tool too, because like going back a few years ago, we ran like the 10 K around the boulevard near us. And I started way too hot. I started at like, I don't know, a seven minute pace, which is not something I can hold for about six miles. Like that's not something I can do. And that strategy, just starting at whatever and trying to hold that doesn't really carry over to these longer pieces. And what's nice about this is you can keep the volume a little bit lower, right? but you can still work on longer distances because you get the chance to feel what they feel like. So without beating your body up, if you can intelligently can like attack this the right way, you learn how to pace the right way and you're able to then push at the end rather than going hot at the start and then just crashing and burning and falling apart, which is like what I used to do on longer runs. And I feel like a lot of people do on some of the longer pieces is they start a level that's not sustainable because they've never practiced this style of pacing. Okay. Anyways, I like it. Um, so don't worry. We'll still give you plenty of opportunity to go put your head through a wall. We have sprint days built into the bitch work as well. Um, plenty of that with plenty of rest. So you can continue to go hard and empty the tank. And we also have a mandatory long day, which people are going to, it's kind of like cycle one where we're forcing people to go long regularly, but um, it's going to be again, the same or longer distances. You saw at cycle one, it's run and row real simple. There's no instruction. It's just a matter of you need to learn how to kind of put the time in. sit on that rower or just go move your feet for 40, 50, 60 minutes and just get become okay with it. You don't need to become super proficient necessarily right out of the gate, but you have to learn to accept it. And once you can accept that sort of volume and that distance as being a part of your regular training program, then we can start to talk about how to improve on um, pacing and splits and recovery and all that stuff. But it's just not a window that we see in a lot of our athletes that's even being used or available to be used. That sort of that 60 minute window, which is if you look at the sport of, you know, endurance athletics, it's 60 minutes is nothing. You're not even starting yet. It's like the very beginning. And we don't, we have so many CrossFitters that can't even imagine going for 60 minutes. Which say how many athletes either just at, wrong, either at the triple three at regionals or at the games with the marathon row had wished they had sat and done something like that before. So they would know how to approach it. I mean, we saw a lot of athletes cramp up and do probably worse than they had anticipated them doing because they hadn't spent the time in that time domain, which obviously even an hour is like one third of the amount of time they would have spent on the rower. But you just need to put yourself in the situations that you know you have information. It's no different than doing a set of toes to bar into a set of power cleans. Like you have that information, you have to use it. And like the only way 60 to 90 minutes gets you able to complete three hours, but 40 minutes to three hours is a very, very different situation. Cause once you get to a certain point in endurance stuff, you have a pace, you have a rhythm, you have something that you can hold you know how to back it down, pick it back up. Like you start to learn that stuff. Once you get to a certain point of, of no return, like you just adjust as you go and you, you make it happen. But if you don't ever get to the point where you're kind of like accepting the state that you're in and going to be in for a long time, when that first moment of panic hits or that first wall hits, you are fucked. You don't know what to do. You never experienced something like that. Your mind will actually start to try to shut your body down to protect you. And if you've never gone through and broken through that barrier a bunch of times and you're just you're fucked. I'd say it's mental training as much as it physical. Is. I mean, a lot of people just don't just think they can't go like that because they haven't put their mind in that situation where you realize like, pull the handle one more time, take another step. It's literally as small as that. But again, it seems daunting when you look at your watch and you have 40 minutes left on your run. But until you do it, 
you're not going to get comfortable doing it. And so, it, and it will be it will be tested. Like we've seen that yeah. there is effectively no no time limit, especially when you get to the higher level competitions. Like if you're not prepared to sit on a machine or be on the pavement for an extended period of time, you're not prepared. The the fact that they got rid of regionals and they did the triple three this year, they were headed in that direction anyway. These third party competitions. Don't give a shit. No, they'll. I mean, Dubai. You can expect a they fucking can, so they can full try. people and have them do a like, twenty hour marathon. Well, they, the, don't the care. games can be crazy, but I'm talking about before you even get to the games. Like yeah, I don't know what Dubai the thing. Yeah, the Dubai thing. Yeah, down to small. You can see. Yeah, you can see half Ironman Dubai. Like they want to push you to. Yeah. The, they want to set that long ass swim in Miami. Like that's easy. It could be done. Yeah, a lot of things can be done. And just anyway, shark. again, we yeah. Oh my god, can you imagine. That's shark. that's how you fucking Don't say find shark. the fittest on earth. Can't say shark. Uh, squirrel. Yeah. yeah. Cody's gonna withdraw if you say shark. <laughs> uh Barracuda. Anything else to add about uh <laughs> bitch work? We want to talk about anything else. Uh don't warm up with it. Warm yourself up for it. Boom. Wow. I don't even know what that means. It means don't treat the bitch work as a warm up guy. Come on now. Yeah, guy. guy. I got guy, most guy. of I got most of my athletes now that take it so seriously that they can't put it in a session with another thing. Oh, yeah. There's I hear lift, a lot. Metcon and whatever, and bitch work is its own own entity. It's its own little... Mentally, warm-up-wise, CNS-wise, it's its own I think, thing. I, I think that they are doing it right, and they're discovering that it should be because it is so monostructural, typically, that it takes so much energy out of one area, whereas CrossFit, you're just switching, moving, changing. Like I think your body gets easier to adapt to that over the years of doing CrossFit than it is to row a 10K. Like, I don't want to do anything the rest of the day. And that's not even that long. But, oh, my God, does that crush me? It does. Uh, Okay, so last thing, accessory work. I'm just going to kind of fly through this and we can wrap up. Um, I am going to hammer muscle ups uh, and the accessory and specifically the um, what we call muscle up plus ones, which means you added an extra dip at the top of the muscle up. One thing that I saw a lot of our athletes and really a lot of athletes just in general, um, they still have that either issue locking out the dip at the top or they have the pattern and the habit of pushing back and never actually achieving a lockout. And then half the time they get away with it in competition and half the time they eat no reps and come in last place. And so instead, yeah, we saw that way more than we needed to. Um, So instead of just having people just train straight up muscle ups, the plus one forces you to finish a good dip at the top of the first one because you can't push backwards behind the rings and then come down for a second dip, which if you want to cheat that one, like whatever, but that's at least the first one will be an acceptable dip and it'll, it'll usually the top half of the muscle up is what gets people to fatigue and failure fastest. So we'll kind of add the volume in there. Plenty of muscle up practice with extra dip work at the top try to kind of repattern the way people finish that that lockout at the top of the muscle up, hopefully strengthen that a bit. So that's going to be a weekly thing. Uh, there's some extra strength work built into accessories, mostly uh, lunges. We're not going to, we're going to be doing lunges all year long. It's not going away. Uh, lunges, sandbag squats, stuff like that. Some extra bench press and other pressing work built in. Um, there's going to be some backwards sled dragging. So always this cycle will be facing... Facing the sled <laughs> and walking backwards. We're going to accumulate uh, quite a bit of volume doing that, um, usually about body weight. And then there's going to be uh, some more gymnastics built in, and they're going to be kind of coupled gymnastics. So you'll have some strict strict gymnastics work straight into a more dynamic gymnastics movement, um, not for time, just kind of working through these things. 
And then we'll have um, kind of odd lifts or muscle type lifts built into gymnastic stuff. So like uh, muscle snatch, muscle clean, zercher squat, things like that straight into a uh, gymnastics movement. So you get a lot of like strict pulling, strict pressing, and then gymnastics pulling or pressing to go with it, kind of mix the two together. And that's actually the most thorough that I've been on any of these columns. That's your accessory for the cycle. People are going to be so excited that Zercher squats are staying. They're going to be so pumped. People hate them. <laughs> Everyone I've talked to is like, my elbows, elbows hurt. hurt. <laughs> oh, these are light. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you go super heavy, yeah, for sure. But these are these are light. These shouldn't be an issue. But yeah, I understand. I mean, go get some elbow sleeves. My soul or just, hurts listening to Or just huffing up. Yeah. Or just, <laughs> you know, or, I don't care. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, cycle two. Anyone want to add anything to that? Olympic weightlifting, I think it's important to just talk a little bit about the transition from the hang to going to the floor so often and what happens to people's lifts when they go to the floor. Like we have so many people following the blog that can snatch or clean and jerk a house from the hang and just things get weird from the floor and understanding that it's all about variables. It's all about the fact that when we're up really high, there aren't that many variables. You can cheat and pitch your keep your torso vertical and send the bar way out by your knees because you know that you can pull it right back. That's not what we hope you didn't do that. Um, Please don't. And you probably learned that that's not going to work for you in the below the knee work. Um, Now it's just about reverse engineering. How do you get from the floor to those points that we just went over and over and over and over and over throughout cycle one? If you go to the floor and stripper pull to begin, you're kind of screwed. That's one of the reasons why we high bar back squats so much because it's the exact same position. Learn to drive through your feet while getting your knees out of the way. Try to recreate this system. And if you know that you don't need that much speed on the way up, then slow the hell down and do it right until you are skilled enough to then go from the floor to your hip with a little bit more speed. Um, And then you'll be able to snatch essentially a little bit more five to 10% more because you have a little bit more speed from the floor. Um, So if you're really struggling with that, you can warm up with those same movements and you can even get into maybe a little bit of touch and go work on the side to understand that maybe it's just your, yeah, maybe it's just your tension in the bottom. Maybe you need to learn how to pull into tension when you're getting into that position. So would you recommend people like who are having issues finding tension in the bottom, maybe take, I don't know, 50 to 60% of their, um, snatch or clean and, and kind of snatch deadlift and then lower themselves yes. into the position they want. Absolutely. When would you add that in for them as, as part of their like warm up? Like how would you have them do that? Would it be before? Like, like yeah, it would if be you were to add that in, where would it be? I would, I would add that in at a point where, you know, you're, you've gone through kind of that empty bar warm up and you've gotten sweaty and you're ready to start move some, moving some weight. And, you know, maybe if, if, you know, on the male side from, 95 to 165 or 185 you deadlift the bar to your hip and then slowly retrace your footsteps back down to the floor and do a touch and go a touch and go rep from there just to understand the tension i mean hey you could even lift it to your hip drop back down to the bottom and then ask yourself what does this feel like you don't even need to snatch you can just be like okay this is the tension that i'm looking for how do i get that from the floor And once again, once people realize that you don't have that much speed on the bar in the hang, you don't need way more from the floor, just slow down. I think that's a big thing. People, barbells feel heavy from the floor. They feel really heavy from the floor, especially when you're warming up. So that gets in your head. You either yank 
with your arms or you let your butt shoot up and then things get crazy. When, if we just said deadlift it, you'd be able to extra super easy. And I mean, we've talked, you and I have talked about this a bunch cause you can snatch pull like 400 pounds, but you put 135 on the bar and you just rip it off. You just <laughs> you rip can't it off. Snatch it. <laughs> Who, me? You rip it off the floor. And I'm like, well, if your pull is your strongest thing, you don't, you don't need it. You don't, you're going to be fine through the hip with any amount of weight that you could possibly support, pull under support and then stand up with. So, which is 135, just so you know, more than me. You're one right, Max. So yeah, yeah. it's just a, it's a distinct. We're going from all this hang work back down to the floor. <clears throat> slow yourself down in that first pull. Use your legs. You have these new amazing squatting legs. Everybody's feeling pretty good about their squat right now. Use them. It's not a deadlift. It's a squatting movement. The bar just goes from here into the front. Yeah, and just because on the days that we are snatching from the floor doesn't, and that it's not written on the blog, like that doesn't mean you can't do four by three at forty to sixty percent, like we were doing in cycle one, as like a warm up as your oh, yeah. snatch and clean warm up. Do the same from the hang and then below the knee, and and like you're saying, go, maybe go all the way down to the floor. But, you can, yeah, you can add a ton to that. Like yeah. once you deadlift it to your hip, too, you can lower it down position after position after position all the way down and feel it out. And once you find those positions, one of the things I really like to do to warm up is the snatch or clean lift off where you just basically lift to your mid shin or the front of your knee and you just pause there with the weight one you'll know right away if your glutes are activated because you have to hold in that position it's very uncomfortable and two if your weight's in the wrong position it's going to pull you in one direction or the other like set up a camera and look at where you are in your positions it's it's worth spending the extra few minutes if you have the time in the gym to work on the positions before you hit your seven by one at 90 percent because no one cares about your 90% lift that you're swinging around your body and jumping 12 inches forward to catch like that's you, you've, you've hit your hundred percent at that point. Cause you're not going to make any progress. Jack your heart rate up a little bit in a competition and that lift is not, you don't catch it right not there. Yep. Exactly. So it's a lot that can be done with this. Absolutely. I guess, I guess the take home is like, if you're working up to that, that heavy single before getting started in any of these movements, you should only care about how well you're moving it in that 85 to 95% range. We're not finding our one rep max over and over and over. That's just, there's, there's no place for that. And we've found that they don't even test it all that often anymore. So nope. our ability to move well is, is going to serve us a lot more than, yeah, I got a PR. Look at me. No one cares. <laughs> oh, or, come on. I care. Or, or I might giggle at the form. That's entertaining though. It is. Oh. Uh, it is There's... quality entertainment. <laughs> yeah, you made that lift all right. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the wonder at max snatches at competitions are just great entertainment. I get scared. I don't. I like the, I ones, I like I the just, ones that, I just get excited. that touch the top of people's grapes. Like, oh, there's the stop and lockout. I'm good. That's the check. Count it. Oh, Checkpoint. I love it. Oh, that's how that's how much I can bend my elbows. Lock it out now. <laughs> Anything else that jumps out at someone? I feel like we pretty much covered it. There's not a lot of new stuff. We talked about the biases. Um, yeah, it's gonna people be- that are scared about what's going on in CrossFit. Keep training. Uh, run hard and do metcons as fast as you can, lift and weights. get as many reps as you can, and lift weights. Yeah. And that's what we were here doing before. That's what we're going to be here doing now in the future, all that good stuff. So I do just, just keep want training. to talk masters real quick, even though it's not all that different okay. from what you have. What you got? So for our, for our masters, uh, like I just said, it's going to be very similar to the blog, uh, focus transitioning from kind of that raw strength into the Olympic weightlifting, uh, be doing that three times a week with 
two back squat sessions per week. Again, very similar to the regular blog. Uh, there is a bit of uh, yoke and sandbag work. So if you don't have either of those implements, either get them or uh, try to start, find them. Start to walk finding. around with a barbell. Yeah, yeah. 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 will also have sandbags too. So I think everyone needs to get a fucking sandbag. Yeah, that's it's that's, time. That's, yeah. That is the the assault bike of the strongman equipment. Pretty much, you need that. You need that now. Um, and then either a Metcon or an interval every day. Similar focus to the blog intervals. Um, start to introduce some of the uh, gymnastics work that we've been focusing on in cycle one, in in sort of a bitch nastics type format. But bottom line is we're trying to translate the skill you developed in cycle one uh, into cycle two and doing it under a little bit of fatigue. But um, and then as far as the uh, non-mandatory strength work. Uh, you'll get the opportunity to overhead squat uh, every week. So if if hitting those positions overhead, mobility, that kind of thing is a limiting factor for you, uh, that'll be an opportunity to to work on those on on those movements in those positions, and then um, be alternating between conventional and regular deadlifting uh, once a week Weekly? again. Yeah, one week will be sumo. One week Correct. will be conventional. Yep, got it. Alternating. Uh, again, not not mandatory, but in addition to the the pulling that you'll be doing off the ground from the Olympic lifts, you'll have the opportunity to do uh, that deadlifting as well. So overall, not a huge difference from from the blog. Still in same line, just obviously modified a little bit for for volume and and movement. But cool. All right. Any last words? Ain't got none. Very good. <laughs> Those were awesome. Okay. I like that. Ain't got none. All right, guys. Well, hopefully cycle two goes really well for you. And um, I'm sure we'll be back with some question and answer sessions real soon. Keep you guys up to speed and uh, we'll see you next time. Good luck.